Hey everybody, welcome back to Dog Backwards, where we look at life, culture, and theology from a different angle. I promised I will get part two of apologetics out to you soon. I got a couple of other things that I just wanted to put out as soon as possible. Today we are going to talk with Peggy Nunley and Walker Moore about why people no longer go on the mission field. Many of you might have taken a trip with your youth or through an organization when you were younger, but that is happening less and less. So if you don't mind, let's just go ahead and dive in and get started. Peggy and Walker, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us here. So I grew up going on the mission field, and so did Peggy. We spent some time in Budapest, Hungary together. And Walker, you just wrote an article about why people just don't do that anymore, that kids these days no longer go on the mission field. Is that true? Do you just see people no longer interested? Well, we keep on, uh, as we're talking to churches, they're telling us our, this is not our thing. Our young people are not interested. Their church is not engaging in missions. And they basically have very little or no interest in missions themselves. And I would say that um, I agree that a lot of churches have just culturally shifted and missions is not primary. It's not something that they focus on in their churches. And so a lot of young people, honestly, I feel like are not really exposed. Now we are seeing young people go to the mission field. They still are going. And I think God is still raising up a generation. Uh, But I do think that culturally we have seen a shift in the church where missions is concerned. Now, when I was growing up, a mission trip, uh, oftentimes we would have what was called like a choir mission trip, and we would go to Six Flags, and then we would sing at another church. So that's what I grew up thinking missions was until my dad started a mission organization where we actually went and shared Jesus with people on street corners. So when you say missions, how how are we understanding? What, what exactly is that? Is that just local? Is it international? Or is it a mixture of both? Well, mission is a lifestyle. Any follower of Jesus understand that he told us to go and make disciples all nations. And my favorite line is two-thirds of God is go. So as a believer, it is a commandment and it's a lifestyle for us to engage uh, any place, anywhere we are. And as a missionary, you know, we are the one that shares the light. We are light and we're salt. So what we have done is taken the concept mission and made it many different things, like the choir trip you're talking about. And that was very popular back in the uh, 70s. And, you know, uh, every church had a choir mission tour. And, and it, was, it wasn't a bad thing, but it's, it wasn't the best thing. And now, now we see missions as uh, uh, becoming where it's a, almost a negative word. Oh, we don't mean mission, mission, because you have to be a professional to be a missionary. You have to go to seminary. You have to get a degree in missionology, and you have to find a, a board that will send you and all that kind of stuff. And where, you know, in the old days, they got God's called. They just went up, got up and left and uh, followed Jesus wherever he told them to go. Isn't it something like 80% of all missionaries are about to retire? Is, have you have you heard that statistic? I, I, heard, I heard. I know there's a large number of already retire, yeah. and we know there's a difference in the older missionaries, and the missionary I grew up that used to come to our churches were missionaries who uh, have moved over there and they didn't have the convenience of FaceTime or calling home. They lived in jungles and bushes, and they come out once every four years and make a trip back to the United States to tell people what were going on. And so these people lived and died in their mission field. Today we see missionaries going and they don't stay very long. They might be there for a term or two, but there's less and less what we call lifers of missionaries. You know, uh, there's just uh, too hard, too difficult, and we see 
the young people that go in the mission field, a lot of them have difficulties when they get there, and so which is normal, but they come home because the difficulties didn't press in through because of the calling. What, what kind of difficulties? Like what? What do you mean? Well, it's first of all, there's spiritual warfare that goes on. You know, there's a lot of attack within the relationship, uh, husband, wife, their children. Uh, there is, you know, you dealing with cultural uh, differences, and and all that bears down on a. A human being, but uh, after a while, you know, they say enough is enough, and they come home. I think sometimes people might go on the mission field, and they're like, I'm going to Zimbabwe, and there's going to be revival, and nobody cares what they have to say, and they spend three years there, and they might see one person come to faith, and then they give up, but that's the work. That's the job. You go to difficult places where no light has entered, and you take light with you. Um what is going to happen after this generation of older missionaries that we have when they're gone? How, how is that going to affect the growth of Christianity? Are, Christ, are missionaries going to come from somewhere else? That's a $60 million question. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. And, of course, God never leaves the earth without a witness. I mean, even in the end times, there's two witnesses left that goes around and shares the truth. So God will have a witness out there. Now, what it looks like, I do not know. I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet, but to me, it, it, we, we, we should be concerned about this, and we ought to pray for God to raise up a generation of missionaries. And that's what Peggy and I are trying to do. We, we spend our lives trying to raise up the next generation of missionaries, of people who are believers, and whether you be a missionary at Walmart or you're a missionary in, in, in Albania. I mean, you know, to me it doesn't make, it's not about where, it's what you do where God has put you. And that's what a lifestyle of a missionary is all about. I've always admired the Mormons because there's an expectation on their young men and women when you turn 18, you're going to spend two years on the mission field. You're going to learn a language that's not your own, and you're going to go and do that. There is no expectation like that in Christianity, but Peggy, this is one of the things that you do, and just to, as a disclaimer, Walker Moore is my father, Peggy is my friend. The church that I pastor is a church that was started by people who are all-star alumni, and all-star was the mission organization that you started, Walker, and Peggy is now the president of. Um, so they took that missionary aspect and brought it to this town that we're in, and I consider myself a missionary. So now that you have that role and that responsibility of building up this next generation, what are you finding are the big, big obstacles to getting people interested in the mission field? Well, I think that um, there's a lot of obstacles. One is that we are in a very postmodern culture that um, the idea of missions is not popular anymore, not just to young people, but it's not popular to their parents. It's not popular in their churches. It's not something that's talked about. Now, I'm very blessed that I go to a church that is a, it's a church plant, but our pastor calls himself the lead missionary. It's a very missional church, and that's why we, my family, decided to go there. Uh, but I have been in a lot of churches, and I interact with a lot of pastors and youth pastors that they don't have that mindset. And some of the obstacles that we are facing with young people is the idea that, you know, parents are scared to allow them to leave the country because of terrorism. And um, even though because of the way multimedia and social media um, is right at our fingertips, 
we see everything that's happening in the world all at once. And so we believe that wherever we go, that we're going to encounter that. And that's not the truth. Uh, there's a lot of places that we go. We don't see anything like you see on, on our TVs or on the Internet. Um, but I think that one is that parents are scared to release their kids. I think students themselves are scared to go. I think that they have been raised in a fear-based mentality culturally uh, because of school shootings, because of terrorism, uh, because of what they themselves have been raised up in. I think that they are more fear-driven than probably any other culture we've had uh, being raised up. There's, uh, there's something to be said for people will always do what they find valuable. And for whatever reason, we just haven't let them know that this is valuable. That they, they don't see, I mean, because it's summertime that when you go on your trips, correct? Like you usually go during the summer or spring break or Christmas break, and you'll go all over the world. But they got soccer practice. They got football, baseball, and that's fun. And it's valuable to them because that's going to help them later on in life when they, you know, maybe it's going to get them a scholarship and all the hopes and dreams. And so we haven't given any kind of gospel-centered, actually, this is better than your football career if you were to go and have this experience because it's going to change your life and transform it. Um, I mean, I've known many people who had great careers ahead of them. They go on one short-term mission trip with All-Star, and all of a sudden, now they're in Japan for the rest of their life, and they want to be lifetime missionaries because they found it. Jesus is always more valuable than whatever entertainment that we have currently at our disposal. So how are you communicating how valuable this is to this next generation? Well, All Star Ministries is a discipleship ministry. And so it's really not about us saying, hey, missions is what's valuable. What we want to teach them is that Jesus is this valuable. You know, we go into all the world because Jesus is worth it. And so we spend a lot of time developing discipleship material, new teachings, ways to engage the church, ways to engage this culture so that they see the value and the purpose of taking Jesus beyond uh, their own culture. But not just that, but to take Jesus into their high school, into their middle school, to uh, see him in their family life. A lot of students are coming from a background similar to what I came out of. You know, when I first went with All Star as a young person, um, I was the minority. So most of the students on those trips um, had two-parent homes. They had a mom and they had a dad. They'd been raised in the church. Um, They had been taught basic principles in Christianity. Um, I came from a very unchurched background, came in, and my parents were divorced. I had been through abuse and in foster care. Uh, But when I began to learn that Jesus could use me, when I began to learn how Jesus had purpose written over my life that I couldn't see, um, all of a sudden it changed everything for me. And I think that as we approach this generation, that they are very much coming from a background similar to mine. They are a generation or two generations removed from truth in their home. So the first thing that we're doing is we're trying to bring them back to biblical truth. We want to teach them through discipleship what the Word of God actually says. Teach them the value of the Scriptures. And then as they get close to Jesus, the most natural thing when you get close to Jesus is it just starts multiplying out of you. And so I think as we introduce that, as we connect with them, you know, things like our IGO conference that we're having, you know, this conference is about students taking the next step. You know, we know that every student that comes is not going to be coming 
um, with an idea that they're going to go to this nation or to that nation. In fact, a lot of them are going to come and they're not even thinking about missions. You know, that's not the forefront of their agenda. You know, when I first was introduced to missions, I thought it was crossing the Ohio River to Kentucky from Indiana. You know, I, I had no idea that it was going halfway around the world and that God could do that. It was crossing the Ohio River to Kentucky. That was missions. But there was such a larger scope of what God had planned that I just couldn't see. And so I, you know, kind of our heart and desire is to see students take that next step. And it may be that they just need a genuine relationship with Jesus. Sometimes it's a great way for kids just to actually discover what this whole message of the gospel is. I know there's people who've gone on mission trips that they they are culturally saved, but they're not biblically saved. So they went to a camp and they had an emotion. Well, the music and the preaching and the response was all designed to entice that emotion. And so, of course, they had an emotional response to it. I can have an emotional response to, you know, a Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movie, right? Like I, I can get all emotional at that, but that doesn't mean I've bought into it. And so they might have this emotional response, but all of a sudden, they go, oh my gosh, this is my purpose from now on. As any believer, I am a missionary. That I, that's the only reason I still exist is because I'm supposed to take this message to other people. I'm going to go and make disciples. That's my job. And so I often tell other pastors, don't confuse your vocation with your calling. So I, my vocation is I'm paid to preach, but my calling has always been a missionary. And there was a gentleman today who came in to put a new lock on the church who was Jewish, and I talked to him for an hour just waiting for those moments where I could read Isaiah 53 or talk to him about the crucifixion and why Jesus needed to die and the last sacrifice and all that. And I've been wired that way through the experiences that I've had with this organization of just going and learning, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do everywhere. And it's not just the experience, but it's the scriptural study that comes along with it. And I, I've said this probably before on the podcast. I was just at a youth conference, a hundred kids, two of them had their Bible. And I said, open your Bible to first Kings. And they looked at me like I was insane. Like that sounds like one of them old books, right? Old Testament. And I, I, I should have realized from then on, I should have just talked to him about John three sixteen because they were about as shallow as you can get when it comes to spiritual depth. And I was a youth pastor for many years, and I guess I just had, I was lucky enough to have deep kids, but youth groups seem really, really shallow. And I don't mean that in a negative, derogatory sense, like we're so much mature now. It just sounds like the teaching is, if you went to high school for seven years and never made it past two plus two, your teacher would have failed you right? You, you, you progressed in your math leadership and teachers today, like, but you can go to church and hear the same four stories over and over. You don't know where David and Goliath is in the Bible, but you know the story. So what part of your organization and what you do helps also, you say it's discipleship because mission sounds like evangelism. How is it discipleship? Well, it's actually both. It is, you know, discipleship is knowledge. It's what we learn. Uh, evangelism is the skills of what we do. And so it's the difference of, you know, we're taking a culture where it used to be with All-Star, I think when, when Walker founded All-Star, is that students had 
knowledge. They, they knew the scriptures. They had been brought up in RAs and GAs. They had been brought up uh, memorizing scriptures, the Romans road. You know, these were common things. I mean, when I entered into, you know, going with All-Star at the age of 15, you know, we were using Master Life as a form for discipleship. Walker was using that. So I memorized Disciples Cross, and, you know, I walked away from the mission field learning how to have a daily quiet time, memorizing scripture, and being able to articulate my faith. And we are seeing students come in now that, you know, we are doing scripture memorization. These are the first scriptures they've ever memorized. Well, we can't really ask them to share the gospel with somebody when they don't even know the truth. So we have to teach them the truth. We teach them to memorize scriptures. We teach them how to use those scriptures. Then we give them opportunities to go out and to actually talk with people and engage with them about faith topics. You know, and you know, we just recently got back from Canada and there, there's 43 unreached people groups that we were working among and engaging. And these are ethnic groups that have immigrated into the country that they have no, um, their, their worldview does not include Christianity. So they are Hindu or Sikh or Jain um, or Buddhist. And our students in within a 10-day period of time were able to come in, memorize scripture, learn how to read their Bible properly, get enough teaching under them that they were able to go out and begin to engage with these cultures that had no biblical worldview, but be able to discern the difference between what they believed and what Christianity says, and then to be able to actually lead them to Jesus through that. And it's these people that will become the future pastors and missionaries. And so it's because of things like this that we can have some hope, even though it seems like American Christianity in general could care less about sending a missionary we're, we might get a video in every now and then, but most of them have never met a missionary. Like a missionary doesn't come to the church anymore. And Walker, that's something you were saying in your article that we don't interact with missionaries like we used to. Well, I think there's four things that uh, we have uh, missed out in today's church and now we're paying for it because uh, uh, first of all, we no longer have the funnel which uh, to move children hearts for missions into becoming adult heart for missions. I grew up as a royal ambassador or GAs, you know, your mom was a GA. Uh, we were before that in preschool, we were called Sunbeams. All these were mission organizations, and they moved us from the time that we could walk as toddlers to the time I graduated high school. I was in a mission organization every day through the entire my school years, you know. Mm -hmm. Then I went to college, and I was in BSU. I mean, that was uh, the Baptist Student Union. So there's always been mission organization all my life. Those are no longer round, they're very small, and so we lost a funnel to do that. The second thing is the Bible no longer has supremacy in the church. Uh, I have people ask me all the time as I travel, uh, what program are that church using? What about this program and that program? And they're looking for a program. And the Bible is not a program, it's a process, okay? And we have taken the Bible and, out of our church and it has become just a uh, point which we just touched for a few minutes during an hour service. We have uh, the videos, we have the lights, we have the fog come on, uh, we have the music that uh, bangs the wall, and then we get to a little sermonette, okay? And the Word of God has to be memorized and dwell upon, and it has to be taken into your heart. It has to be tested and sifted in the truth, and then the truth become real after you struggle with it. We don't want people to struggle with the Word anymore. We just want to give them a little takeaway point, and they feel happy with that. The third thing is we only teach a partial Jesus. Uh, the Jesus I know requires me 
to deny myself, take up my cross daily and follow him. And we, we say, you know what, you can be anything you want and still be Jesus' follower, you know. Uh, Jesus doesn't say that, you know. His falling is, is the narrow road. And uh, to really follow the real Jesus cause you to deny, to take up your cross, no longer my will but thy will be done. And so we have taught a partial Jesus. I was sharing this with Peggy. I worked once in the, in the uh, nursery. I hated it. I'm not a nursery person. And I was with crying babies for the entire hours and whatever it was uh, while the service was going on. And every time a baby cried, I looked for a pacifier to stick in their mouth to stop them from crying. That's a temporary fix. But what we have come down to is we have a pacifier Jesus now. Uh, when you start crying, we just stick it in your mouth for a second. And then you spit it out when something else comes along. And so we have that. And we no longer introduce, like you talking about, introduce churches to real missionaries. I mean, the missionaries who have gone off the grid, have been there, they've raised their family, they've sacrificed, they have paid the price. And, you know, and to these people, it's not about winning one or winning a thousand. To them, it's just being obedient and lifting up the name of Jesus where they were. And, of course, they hope to see people come to Christ, and most have. But I know missionaries who have only seen a few in their entire lives. But it was uh, a great victory to see those two come out such darkness. And so we don't have that kind of, uh, of things in our church. So therefore, how can we expect mission to be? Because when you have the Bible in front of everybody and you're really studying the Word of God and that Jesus is real, mission is naturally front and center. When I came on at this church, um, they encouraged me because I was looking at leading a trip to uh, Hungary. And I said, guys, if I'm going to come on, you know I'm going to be gone in like a couple of weeks. And they, they, they like the idea of the pastoral role modeling missionary work. And so they're totally for that. Anytime I want to go do some missionary we work. Have, we have a trip open for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, you have to ask my kids if I can leave for a month. Hey, we'll take them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Grandpa. Um, but, uh, yeah, and what's interesting about all that you said, there's a lot in there. And I've been your son for a long time. And I just realized you can't say the word program. So I didn't know that before. You said program. Program? Program. <laughs> and so hey, I, I grew sorry. up in a rural, so, rural, rural country rural? school, yeah. just like Peggy. Yes. So we have our own pronunciation. It's okay. It's, it's not wrong. It's just wrong for me. Uh, my wife says, Mira. I was like, no, it's a mirror. No, it's a Mira. Okay. And uh, I let her win that argument because I love life. Um, so it does sound like you guys are, are doing the hard work of trying to restore some love for missionary work into the local body again. And that's got to be a difficult job. You, you mentioned there that there's a conference coming up. I go, when and where is that going to be at? It's November 8th and 9th at Evergreen Baptist Church. And uh, it's, it's going to be a great conference. Um, you know, we are excited about what God is doing. We're seeing more youth pastors want to be involved, engaged, uh, students, you know, our staff has been working day and night, calling, messaging, tweeting, Instagramming, Facebooking, you know, a million forms of communication. The only thing they haven't done is sp uh, spray painted on the wall. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I go. So it, you said Evergreen Baptist, but that's in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma? Yes. yes. Bixby. Bixby, Bixby yeah. Oklahoma. Is, we have an audience that's uh, very diverse in their location. Is, there, is it going to be possible for them to stream that online? later on or while it's going some of it will be streamed online okay. um, we're working on getting it live 
Um, if not, we'll have some that we'll push out afterwards. Where can they go to to find the information on how to register and how to sign up for that? They just need to go to our website, and it's allstar.org. Go there, and you'll be able to sign up and register, check the conference out, see all the great speakers that are going to be there. Caleb, you're going to be doing a breakout. Well, that's uh, news to me. Yeah. Okay, yes. No, but we're excited even about the – we've got some great um, main session speakers. Um, You know, one of them, her name is Mona Sabal Ernest, who is a former Muslim that will be speaking. And she actually was born in Saudi Arabia, raised in Pakistan for 10 years, and then spent 25 years here in the United States as a practicing Muslim. Uh, But in 25 years, her Christian friends, no one shared the gospel with her, not once. And her words that she said to me was, I had a lot of good Christian friends. They just didn't love me enough to tell me about Jesus. That's, that breaks your heart. And this is why we say, you know, we're talking about missions and why are missions important and what happened to all the missionaries? Because if, if you're not willing, if you can go, if you can go outside of your home, you'll come back and you'll be willing to talk to your neighbor and I mean, she's surrounded by Christians, but they hadn't been trained to share their faith. They, they didn't even know they were supposed to, probably. You don't have to even go outside your home. We had uh, two Jehovah Witnesses come to our house today. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and your mom shared with them, so yeah. it was writing down scripture. So. I'm blacklisted. Yeah. They will not come to my house anymore. Um, One thing I am excited about with IGO is that we're going to have some phenomenal speakers that are going to be there, but it's not just... If you have a heart for missions, I believe that you will walk away excited about what God is doing among the nations and fired up to look where where can you get engaged in what God is doing I think you're, you're going to have such God-sized opportunities in front of you that you know you're going to be ready to, to make that that next step but if you're coming and missions isn't on the forefront um, we are really going to be dealing with relevant issues at IGO and so in our breakout sessions it's for the young people that would come that are struggling with um, you know you know, we have a gaming culture. You know, a lot of our students, you know, I, I had a student this summer that when I was talking with them on the phone, I said, what was the hardest part about your summer? And her response was exercising. And I said, really? It wasn't pushing back darkness. It was exercising. And, you know, it really shouldn't have surprised me, but it, it did kind of take me back. But, but we are in a culture that when we ask students to, to step out, and it's not a sports with a medal, right, that exercising or just just doing something beyond sitting in front of a TV and playing a game is difficult for them. And so what do we do with gaming and the gospel? How does that mesh? How does that work? How does our Christianity, how is it affected with gaming? Okay, you're going to be doing a breakout and talking about, you know, gender identity and using language that helps our young people connect with the LGBTQ community that is around them, friends that they have that, you know, that they love, but they don't know how to interact with them without condoning what they're doing. And maybe they don't even quite understand why it's wrong. Yeah, that seems to be one of the biggest issues that I face in dealing with young people today. They are leaving the church for that one subject. They was like, well, I have gay friends that seem nice. And so therefore, I just can't follow this Christianity, at least the version that historically has been preached. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you got the information. Go to allstar.org, A-W-E-S-T-A-R dot O-R-G. And uh, the date of I go one more time for our listeners. 
November 8th and 9th. Okay, I'll put that on my calendar. Make sure I'm there. Uh, Peggy and Walker, thank you guys so much for being here. If you are a parent or a youth pastor and you are not already highly involved with any kind of mission organization, you need to get plugged in with All Star. I have, like I said before, the whole church that I pastor, this church was started by former All Star missionaries who learned about sharing the, the gospel when they were 12, 13, or 13 and older. Um, and it transformed their life to where now they have their careers, but their careers is not their calling. Their calling is to be a missionary wherever God sends them. Thank you. Enjoyed it. And we'll talk to you guys soon.